Hi and welcome to the Truth Incorporated podcast. Um, this is our first episode and this will be a quick one as we explore the question of what is the Bible. Um, it may seem like a pretty straightforward question because in all of our homes, I'm sure that we can all have a, find some form of a Bible, whether it's on our phone, whether it's in the form of those little blue te- New Testaments or some Bible that we were given while walking on the street. Some form of scripture is in our home regardless of whether we're Christians or, or any other religion. Chances are that we might have a, a Bible in our home. But what is this book that is so popular um, that is sold over six mil six billion excuse me copies um why is it so popular and why why are so much people interested in it why 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 is so much copy sold there's no other book in the world that has ever come that close to selling that much copies that is a so let's, let's explore the book. So we're going to go with a, a textbook little definition at first. So the Bible is a collection of sacred texts that are viewed as sacred to the Jewish community and to the Christian and Judo-Christian community. All right, so there's sacred texts that govern the lives of many Jews, many Christians, and many Judo-Christians around the world each and every day. All right, so... As I said before, I'm sure we've had some form of scripture in our home. So the first question we're going to ask yourself is, who authored the Bible? Who's the author? Who put together? Who compiled? The Bible itself tells us in that all scripture is inspired. Let me get that. 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will but men and women moved by the holy spirit spoke from god so the bible claims the authors claim that the bible is inspired that indeed it is not their writings but it is god's divine favor who had given them this great message and that they were penned that they were moved by god's power his holy spirit to pen these amazing poetic and, and, and narratives and, 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 and genealogy accounts and all of these different things penned by the biblical authors, all right? So the Bible is, is said to be divine by its authors. And in our next episode, we're going we're gonna to look at that in detail in episode two. We're going to look indeed at if there is any proofs out there that do say that the word of God is inspired. Because we hear that all the time, you know, we ask somebody, you know, why they believe the Bible? They're going to tell us. Well, because it's God's word. Um, well, because it's inspired. And then we ask them, how do they prove that? And most times they can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, so we're going to take a look at that. We're going to, in our episode two, we're going to see if the word of God indeed is inspired. All right. So there's something called the biblical canon. And the biblical canon is basically just uh, the collection of scriptures that are seen as divine and authoritative, the scriptures that has authority, all right? I know the word canon seems weird for that, but it comes from the Greek word, which is the same, canon, which means a ruler or measuring stick, all right? So if you know what a measuring stick is, um, usually it's a kind of figurative metaphoric language that people use to say that this is the yardstick. We said in Caribbean, this is the yardstick. It is a... Uh, it is 
a measurement by which something is acceptable. Uh, let's say, and this is not so, I'm just off button of my head. Let's say we say uh, one foot is 12 inches. That's not what it is. I'm just saying off my head. I don't know what that is. So let's say that. So of course the yardstick for, for uh, one inch can be always be 12 foot. So that's its yardstick. That's the rule by which it's governed. Let's say uh, one, one kg. Well, I know this one, one kg equals 2.25 pounds. That's the yardstick for that. So the scriptures has its yardstick or its measuring tool by which it is used to determine what is what, what is false, what needs to be there. So for the Jewish compilations of the book, there wasn't much, there wasn't much fuss and debate because the Jews saw their authors and their prophets and these men as divine men of God. That their words were indeed not their words. So while compiling the literature, it was easy for them, you know, as compared to the New Testament, which will come to in a few, it was easy for them to compile because they had already seen their characters as divine. All right? So basically, the Kanaka-sized Bible is generally the Bible that most persons have that has the um, 66 books inside. That's basically what is, that is accepted as the Kanaka-sized Bible by most churches. So the first canon was the Muratorian canon, which was compiled in AD 170. So the Muratorian canon included all the New Testament books except Hebrews, James, um, first and second Peter and third John. So at first, those books uh, were not included um, because you know they weren't seen as divine at first. Um, then, of course, over time, there was much debate and, and, and much looking over. They looked at dates. They looked at who the author was. They looked at so many different things to kind of determine who, which book goes inside. All right, so it was a very scrutinous and scrutinizing process. For the New Testament, This is that is I'm talking about. For the New Testament, it was a, a very long and, and, and lengthy process. So in 1397, finally... Um, the book, the Bible was finished, it was fully canonicized and it had all the books. So Hebrews, James 1 and 2, 1 and 2, Peter and 3 John um, were now included. Of course, there was still much debate about Revelations. And I think that's the last book to be canonicized. Um, that one uh, was not too, it didn't come over too nice to the, the, the church fathers. So around 8397 is when we can say all the books were canonicized, even revelations, even though there were still debates in the church, it was added by many of the church fathers. All right. So what we must get there though is that all of these debates and all of these different things that took place, really less of so was not as we're gonna look at in the future episode, it was less of the church fathers determining the books. And of course, these men were scholars. So these books were not just widely put in. They looked at things like date and like who is the author, all these different things. And the it was a very, as we can see, it took years because it was a scrutinous process. And this is a this was a divine process by the Most High to get his books, his book, the Bible in order. All right, but there's some books that are left out. You might have, have heard about books that are not in the Bible, and you say, "Well, why are those ones out? Why are they not in with the others?" So there's some books called the Apocryphas, and the Apocryphas are Old Testament books 
that are not in the canonicalized um, Hebrew Bible. Um, so in the 3rd century BC, Jewish scholars translated the Bible into Greek, and that is called the Septuagint. Uh, several books were included in the Septuagint, and these books were not considered divine, and they were called, and they're today called the Apocryphas, but they were included in the Talmud. So they weren't included in the Tanke itself, but it was included in the Talmud. And the Talmud is basically a commentary by the rabbis on the Tanka, which is the Hebrew scriptures. Um, so in the Talmud, there were some books called the Apocryphas. All right. So of course, the Jew Jews did not see those as authoritative scriptures. Um, so that would mean that um, they were never... Um, used in their worship. Jesus Christ, um, the apostles, and all the other Jews in those days would not have seen that as authority. Um, they would not have read that aloud in their synagogues, etc. Okay? But in some Bibles, they are there. Um, in some churches, um, they are there, the apocryphas. But in most Bibles, you'll see you would, more than likely 90%, even more of the Bibles that you would have or would see, you would not see the apocryphas. Why? Because they're not divine and because they are not canonicized, you're not in the original canon. Some older Bibles would have kept them from when they were there, but yeah, so they aren't divine. So the New, the, the New Testament equivalents to the Apocryphus are usually what we call the Gnostic scriptures. And these are different, these are, we know in that there's four gospels in the canonicized New Testament. Uh, we know John, Mark, uh, Matthew, Luke. And they tell the story of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, they tell of his life and his death and his resurrection and his greatness and his glory. Um, but there are, in, there's a gospel called the Gnostic gospel called the gospel of Judas. And I mean, that's, that's weird, right? Yeah. So if you know, Judas was the disciple that betrayed Jesus Christ. And um, in Judas's gospel, Judas said, it, it is said, of course, this gospel um was not written by Judas, but written by Gnostic Christians. It is said that the the, the Judas he betrayed Jesus because Jesus told him to betray him, and that, that Judas was the only disciple that understood and knew the true intentions of of his Lord Jesus. That he's the only one that knew the truth about why Jesus came, which is weird. Um, none of the other accounts says that, but he's seen as a betraying all the other accounts, and he hung himself. All right. So it's a Gnostic gospel and it was written after, um, it was dated about 280 AD, which is long after the other scriptures had already started to be compiled. So it was written by Gnostic Christians and not by Judas himself or any story told by Judas. So that's why it's not included. So you see, these guys had to really vet these books because people were starting to write their own accounts, started to write their own things, some that weren't there. A, a lot of incorrect things, many people were starting to write. So, yeah, that's one interesting one, the Gospel of Judas. So, there's another Gospel, the Gospel of Peter, which is a pseudopigraphal work, kind of like the, the Gnostic Gospel of Judas, meaning that it wasn't written by the author that is said to be written by. It says the Gospel of Peter, but it's not written by Peter, nor was it Judas. All right. So, this is another Gospel, and but this one tells of a different account. Um, it tells of the account that Jesus was not human, but he was so divine that his appearance seemed to be 
human like but he actually had no human flesh and he didn't truly die etc 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 and we notice none of the other gospels have this account so this was also written sometime after the 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 bible was started the bible as we know it had started to become conic conicized it was written around that time and yeah so that's why it was also thrown out there are many other um other texts and other books that are not out there because when they're dated and when they're checked, they do not fit the requirements to be canonicized in the word of God. Well, now, so it's compiled this way. The Hebrew scriptures, they have in them an approximate, they have 39 books um, and they're, they're the Jews, they're, they're, they were separated and they would call it Tanka, T.A. for Torah, which is the law books, the first five books. Na for Nehivim, which are the books of the prophets. Please excuse me if I botch the pronunciation of these words. And the Ketivim, um, which are the writings, sacred writings. All right. So that's basically what's in our Bible today also. But the Jews would have theirs um, in a different order. Some books are not um, are in different orders, but they all have the same message and there's all the same books. And when we come now to, to the New Testament, um, so when we come to the New Testament, there are 27 books and we add them all in the canonicized Bible, the authoritative scriptures that have been debated. There are 66 books. So likely if you go and open your Bible now, you're going to find 66 books in your Bible. All right. So now that we, we kind of, you know, kind of had a little, a little lecture on the Bible, um, you know, it's art and its origins and it's put in together. Why write it at all? Uh, because it's a great library. It's it's not just a book, but it's a library. It it has so many texts and so many different things. It has poetry. It has it has uh, prophecy. It has it has narratives, biographies, bibliographies. It has genealogies. It has so many things inside. So why write it at all? Why write it at all? Well, let's go to Genesis one one, where it says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as we, the story goes, God made Garden of Eden, he made man from the dust of the earth, woman from the rib of, of Adam, give them authority, said to them that you meet of all the fruits of the tree, you meet of everything except of the one that is in the middle, tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of good and the tree of life. Fast forward, Eve was tempted by this creature, um, a serpent well at the time the creature wasn't a serpent but that's for another discussion but it was by this serpent and Eve ate fruit gave some to her husband failed the test so the test God had given them was to see whether they would obey his will and if they had passed that test they would be immortal and the earth would be filled with immortal creatures right now and it'd live forever and it'd be in a perfect state and we'd be in the presence of God so they were cast out of the garden and after that things just went chaotic um we know that they were well, before that, actually, God had made a promise to them that he would send this seed, a seed that would one day conquer this, 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 this sinful desire to always be curious and that this will be God's will, that he's going to send the seed of the woman and the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent, which symbolizes sin. We'll look at that in a future episode also. And there it was, sin, and they were cast out and then we know Cain killed his brother Abel and the earth began to get worse and worse until God sent a flood in the days of Noah and the earth was repopulized again and we thought that it would have been better. But it continued to get worse and worse. 
and we can and we see again God promises to Abraham years later that he's going to send a seed and that that Abraham will be the father of many nations and that through and that through his seed that all the earth will be blessed and then we're introduced to Moses who's promised the seed and then we're introduced to David who's promised the seed and the king a messianic king that will come and that will be his son and that he'll be called the son of God and then throughout the prophets Isaiah and and Ezekiel they, they speak of this messianic king that is to come and the Jews were hopeful that the seed promised to Adam and Eve that the king promised David and these prophets that wrote about this coming king that he would come they called him the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And they were looking forward for this king to come. But the book ends in Malachi and no king comes. The king does not come. And the book, the Old Testament, ends in Malachi. They were introduced to the New Testament and right away we're introduced to this new character. We're introduced to this gospel of this character that tells of his life and of his death. This man called Yeshua, or as we know him, Jesus. And he was said to be the Messiah and he was said to be sinless and he walked the earth, he healed the sick and he raised the dead and he did great miracles and then he died and rose from the dead. And he is the Messiah and he ascended into heaven. But what is that still? What still? What does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with any of us? Well, it all makes sense. God had been in the Hebrew scriptures, they were they all linked and tied to the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. They all link and tied to him. So God had been reconciling the world back to himself, trying to bring man back to that immortal state, back to the state where he can replenish the earth, bring back the kingdom of God on the earth, where mankind can live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever on the earth and have immortality, as was his original plan. So when we look at the Levitical laws, when we look at the Levitical priests and the way they sacrifice, you know, they were not to bring any sick lamb, any lamb with blemish and spots. Every lamb that was to be brought to be sacrificed before Yahweh was to, was to be a blemishless lamb, one that, that, that had no marks and sickness and defects. So these lambs were a representation that one day God would send a final lamb whose blood would indeed take away because the word of God tells us that the blood of bulls and, and, and animals kind of take away the sins of humans and it makes sense. So we take a sinless human to atone for the sins of the world. And that was Jesus Christ. So the whole, narrative, the whole biblical narrative is stemmed around Jesus, the son of the most high God, stemmed around the greatness of God and how God reconciles. So from the entire account, from Genesis to Revelations, it's all about God reconciling mankind, bringing mankind back to this, 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 this pure and, and immortal and wonderful state where he can reinstate his kingdom and where he can dwell amongst them once again as he did in the days of Eden. God yearns for that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God did it all for us, worthless mankind. And we'll take a look at this in our future podcast to come up. Um, so that's basically an overview of the Bible, general overview of what the Bible is. Um, thank you guys for listening and um, do make sure you um, stay tuned. Uh, like my Facebook page, like the page on Facebook, um, Truth Incorporated page on Facebook and the page on Instagram. 
T underscore Incorp. That's T underscore I-N-C-O-R-P. Make sure to like and follow so that you can stay tuned as to when a new podcast will be uploaded. And make sure to sub- subscribe on the podcast or whatever platform you're watching it on. And stay tuned for next episodes.